You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I love playing games, don't you? There's just something about it. It's good when we're playing games and it isn't digital. You know, we can actually interact with one another. But you know what? I, I, my games were different. Pastor Swanson growing up, you know, we played uh, Ring Around the Rosies, Pocket Full of Posies, Ashes, Ashes, we all fall down. But these games, they had different meanings in them than, than, you know, a lot of people don't know. I mean, you know, we're playing a modern. Back in those days, you know, they were trying to, trying to cover the death. I mean, bubonic plague. That's what Ring Around the Rosies was all about. And the children were dying. You know, ashes, ashes all fall down. We didn't know it, but we played it anyways. And then there's Red Rover, Red, all the games. You know, there's all these meanings behind these old-fashioned games. Um, you know, back in the day, they, they didn't flirt, you know, like, uh, you know, all, the, all the, the, the codes and the text messaging and all the apps and everything. That was their way of flirting with Alvin. I could see you doing it, you know? Red Rover, Red Rover, and whoever you called, it was like, uh-huh, you know? When I played it, it was not flirting. It was like clothesline, you know? You lose your... You know, we love to play games as children, but listen closely. When we grow up, we still play games. They're just a whole lot more consequential. They're a whole lot more serious. This conference is all about step right up. That's the midway call, the carnival call. Step right up and play a game. And we find in Exodus chapter number 32, an entire nation of people... Literally playing games. That's what the, the Word of God says. God wrote it. He put it there. He said this. Into, and not just any people. These are the people of God. It's you. It's me. It's me. This is what God says. You're playing games at the most crucial uh, juncture in, in, in the history uh, 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 of your life and your, and your people. Uh, you're, you're playing games. And, and we find that with the, the, the children of God in Exodus chapter number 32. Would you stand to your feet? And I want you to read each verse silently with me as I read aloud. And I need you right now. I only ask one thing. They have invested in you th hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and love the love that is on this platform right now for you would blow your mind. And, and it's just the tip of the iceberg of the love that God has for you. So all we ask back, I ask right now that every single human beating uh, heart in, in, in this room right now would just listen. I beg of you. I just beg of you. Would you please just listen. Read each verse because we're going to go down through verse by verse here and, and pull out some truths from the word of God. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount... The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us, for as for this Moses, really, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in, your, in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf, and they said, These be thy little g-gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That is mind-blowing. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. What is the it? And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to it. No, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, capital L, God Jehovah. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and burnt peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink. Would you read the last phrase after the comma of verse number six out loud together with confidence, ready and go, and rose up to play. They rose up early on the morrow and they offered feast and burnt offerings to the Lord and they sat down to eat and to drink, and to step right up, they rose up to play. I want the word of God to be a mirror tonight. I cannot identify in your life whether you're playing games tonight. I don't know. Maybe we're playing games. Maybe you're playing games. But this book right here tonight, it's our prayer. There's people praying around this country for you and moms and dads and youth pastors and 
and, and leaders and pastors in, in my church praying right now that God would just reveal. I have nothing to say but that what the word of God could say to our hearts right now. Are you playing games? And may this reveal it to us tonight. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that every ear would listen. I know that you talked about a stiff-necked people. You even mentioned that down in verse number 9. God, I know that there are distracted people, broken people, hurting people, rebellious people. But God, I, I've asked many times this week, what are we doing? What are we, how, how are you, why are you even bringing us together? God, you're doing something and you're letting us be a part of it. But God, the, the individual sitting maybe behind some pole or in some corner, or maybe even just some mom with a baby on a knee in a hallway. God, I don't know. Listening, you have something very specific for each and every one of us tonight. We're all part of this. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you continue to stay in this room and come in even stronger. And Lord, speak, even where I don't speak, but speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. An entire generation caught up playing games. Moses, at this point in the life of the children of Israel, is up on the mountain. How many of you know why he's up on the mountain in this famous time in the life of the children of Israel. How many of you know what he's doing? Raise your hand. Raise it up. Simon says you can raise it up. Very good. He's up there for two reasons. He's up there to receive instructions about the sanctuary. What is it? Sanctuary. sanctuary. Come on, balcony. What is it? Sanctuary. The sanctuary. He's also up there. Two reasons. Sanctuary. He's also up there to receive instructions uh, called statutes. So the sanctuary is a tabernacle, which means to dwell with. God wanted to dwell with his people. He could, I mean, earth is so small, all of the galaxies and all of the universe, but he wanted to come down and he wanted to be with me and be with you and dwell with us. Why? Because God had a plan for his people. We were not placed on this earth to eat three square meals a day, play some dumb video game, go to bed, get up, go to work. No, God has a specific plan. He wanted to meet with us. And so then God gave us the statutes or known as the 10 what? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the thou shalt not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at a youth conference, of course. All the thou shalt nots. And I'm here, and, and, and I want to be here, but I also don't want to be here because, you know, somehow Christianity and this kind of Christianity, somehow true Christianity, it somehow takes away a little bit. And God is saying, seriously? Takes away the greatest gift, the greatest love, the greatest lover, the greatest opportunity, the greatest choice, the greatest eternity? The Ten Commandments, yeah, thou shalt not. Okay, that's, that's fine. I mean, we get all this fun stuff. They do a circus, and then, you know, the other half of the deal is, you know, you know we, we get all the negatives. Let me tell you something. The cross is not a negative in your life. It doesn't subtract anything. And let me just stop and say this. We're so dumb. I'm the same way. I sat right here not long ago. I feel like I should be sitting out there and, you know, doing all of this. But let me just say this. I sit there and I thought, oh, no, that's okay. I can go along with, you know, all the Ten Commandments. Every single one of them is a gift. And we look at it as a negative and not an addition. If you sell your life to God, I mean, cutthroat all the way, all in, step right up. You're not going to lose anything. You're going to gain everything. I mean, we, we could take any one of them. I mean, um, Thou shalt not steal, for instance. Okay, yeah, we can't steal a candy bar. and there's no... Are we kidding ourselves? This was God's first gift of ownership, right. property rights. You know, and we love that feel of, 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 of ownership. You know, they're ours. You know what I'm saying? He can't, he can't take these glasses back, for those of you that can't see. And, and he can't now. You know, they're mine. That's a nice leather Bible. I appreciate that. Oh, somehow, yeah, thou shalt not. We can't do this and we can't do that. And, and Brother Russ and all our youth pastors and everybody said, oh, you can't do this. And it's a straight jacket Christianity. And God's saying, are you kidding me? Do you want me to take away thou shalt not steal? Are you an idiot? No, I don't believe you are. I believe that we're confused by the devil and distracted. And he somehow thinks that God is taking something from us. And I could take anything I wanted. Mm. <laughs> anything I wanted. It's only worth a nickel. All right, very good. Here we go. Where are we at? There you go. Are you with me tonight? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what the Word of God is saying? That, that God is trying to give us something, and this is what he was trying to do. is an incredible gift. He's up on the mountain, and it's a time of testing for his people. He, I could go down through all of the Ten Commandments and do that. He's given an incredible gift, and God has a plan for you. It's 40 days 
and they failed the test. 40 was always a picture in a time of testing in the Bible. We could go throughout the scriptures and so show that, but for time's sake, let's go to the most definitive or the principal or the most famous one. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he went into the wilderness to be tested or tempted of Satan for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. And thank God he passed the test. And he passed it with flying colors. But the children of Israel, God's people, you and I, represented here, they failed the test. We don't know how long it was. We have no idea, but they failed the test. And Jesus Christ shed his blood, poured it out on the cross, and he, and he gave everything. But somehow, someway, in our testing and in our trial, in our uh, uh, authentication uh, of our Christianity, somehow, far too often, we're failing that test. And that's, that's what they were doing in the story. I want you to see just a few things tonight. I pray the, the Holy Spirit of God would speak to you through these things, and maybe he'll lead you to something that's in this text or in the scriptures that I don't even say tonight, but I want you to see a few things. First of all, I want you to see that they said in verse number one, put your eyes on it, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, it's such disdain. You know, I hear that today. As for Pastor, you know, Jack Treber. Such, are you kidding me? 36 years of faithfulness and 36 years of leading God's people. And that's, that's a, you know, as for this Moses, as for this Moses, he's on the mountain of God to bring a gift to you and as a delayed to come down off the mountain. Now, I, it wasn't even 40 days. It may have been one day. We don't know. Because if you look at verse number eight, the Bible says your people have turned or the people have turned aside. Look at it. What is the word? What is it? Quickly, quickly. So I don't know how quick it was, but they turned aside quickly. And so the Bible says that he delays to come down off the mountain, and they said, we can't see it. We, we, we don't believe it anymore. God must not be here for us anymore. He's packed up and gone home. He's gone to another people. And I want to say, really, the God who saved the entire nation from destruction, really? Did you not see those waters? I want to grab them tonight. Did you not see the waters? I mean, I can still hear the praise and the worship and the cry. I mean, the, the, the glory on the other side. A high hand, God brought us out. Did you not see the waters part? And the ground was even dry. I walked on it. Oh, Moses delayed to come off the mountain. It's just not working anymore. It's just not fitting with me. It's not jiving. I don't got the vibe. Somehow, some way, I, I'm just not get. Are you really? You know what they were doing? They were playing games, don't miss this, with faith. They were playing games with faith. Let me tell you something, the Christian life is a life of faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It all starts with faith. Without faith, you cannot be saved. For, 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 through, through faith, we were saved by grace. And let me tell you something, in the Christian life as a teenager, there are people all over this room and in my heart as a teenager, though I knew it all and it was all there in structure, in all there in religion, there were times in my life where I didn't know if I really believed that God would do what he said he'd do and the promises and all the preaching when he said God will use you and God will use you and God will forgive you and God will help you and God loves you. We hear all of that, but it's not personal far too often. Didn't you see Moses caring? What he had in his hand when he went up the mountain? They called it the rod of God. It wasn't no magician's rod. I mean, it did more than produce rabbits. I mean, it was the rod that he cast down and turned into a serpent. And I heard he went in there before Pharaoh and the magicians couldn't do what he did. And that's why it's called the rod of God. Really? You're not, you're, you're not believing? And let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is the most famous person who ever lived. Historians agree that, that, that other historical figures would covet the, the verifiable evidence. Now, I'm a Christian by faith through the word of God, but let me just say this, that the other, I mean, King Tut and all these guys that lived 2,000 years before Jesus Christ, they would covet the verifiable evidence that Jesus Christ of Nazareth the one who was crucified, the one who in our political history books had the seal upon the tomb, who came out, who turned the world upside down, and people who once were coward and scared and cursing and out in a boat, they came and were willing to give their lives. I mean, you believe in Abraham Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address. Do you realize there's nobody alive today that, that heard that address, that saw that? Nobody alive. 
nor your grandparents, nor, nor your great-grandparents. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And you believe it. Why? Because of the evidence. And there is evidence all around you, but the devil is, first of all, trying to cloud your faith to believe, I got in an airplane, and y'all got in an airplane, and you never saw the captain. And you placed your life, and I placed the life of my wife, and we flew on that plane. Why? Because we had simple faith. And you drove to the sports complex today and you put faith in a mechanic who put the brakes on the bus and you don't know his name and you haven't seen him. You have faith in that mechanic that he exists and that he was there to protect you and to keep you alive. Did you realize you had that much faith? And some of you have more faith in teachers or movies or philosophies or things that have been chunked into your head from maybe even a, a small child. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, you're like these people here. Well, I just don't know. I mean, you know, I've heard some talk that maybe he's not coming. And I've heard this and I've heard that. And they were delayed. They, 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 they were stepping back in doubt. Let me tell you something. It's like what Brother Cooper preached. Until you take that walk and believe, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living if one teenager here tonight would say, I believe, I just choose, I step out and choose to believe by faith, and God says, good, you're not playing games with faith. Great to play these other games, but don't play games with faith. It's amazing how we'll sing uh, about faith, living by faith, and all the songs, and we can have faith for everybody else until it comes to us. Every crisis in my life was at the crossroad of faith, everyone. I grew up in a Christian home, and Loved mom and dad. Of course, there were struggles at times as teenagers, but nothing quite like this. I, I believe that if you honor your father and mother, it would go well with you. Children obey your parents in the Lord and all the scriptures. And I was just trying to do what is best. I went off to Bible college and was trying to live what was right and met a young lady there and came home on a weekend and told my dad, I said, Dad, I, there's this girl and I'd like to start dating her. And, and, and just before I could say anything, he just said, not her. I said, well, wait a minute. You, you don't pick who I marry. He said, I know, but we have that agreement. I said, what agreement? He said, you know. He said, I don't pick who you marry. I just pick who you don't. What? <laughs> Parents have these, you know. But it, it actually is a good plan. You know, veto power. Property, lands are, uh, are the inheritance of fathers, but a good wife is from the Lord. Thank God for that, right? But he said, there's a veto power. You can pick who you want, but I just pick, you know, if, across the line. And I thought, man, he, he's just... You know, just quick here, maybe not in a good mood or something. My dad's always in a good mood and always on top. But maybe just this day I hit him the wrong day and I'm, and I'm, I'm got a date Monday. I'm sitting by her in chapel and we're going to the little the cafe and all. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm going back. And, and okay, now you just got, I got to finagle a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Finagle. And so I just said, no. And when I said no, he said, excuse me? He said, come on outside. He didn't want my sisters to hear. And they, trust me, they were trying to hear. Joanna, you know, trying to hear. And, uh, so we went down to the pond, and I live in that house now where we stood at the corner of the pond, the crossroad of faith. See, I believe that, that God had the best interest for me and that, that, that God had a will, and I had to be obedient, and blessings always come on the back of obedience, all that, but now it was personal. And so I was having the same crisis of faith, and I found out that I was playing games with faith, just like some of you might be revealed to yourself right now and I stood there and, and my dad said look son you're not going to do it let's cut it off don't don't talk you know just just be friendly to her but don't go anywhere with this and I said no 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 it's we're, we're we're doing this he looked at me he said no sir you're not he said yeah I'll kick you out of college I said you're not the college president he said excuse I could I grieves me to this day that I talked I said you can't do that he said watch me <laughs> I said, you can't, I said, well, I'm, I, we're not, and I, and I boiled up, and man, I was so angry inside. This is a girl that I liked, I had these feelings, and I said, she's a good girl, and I'm in Bible college, and I haven't done anything wrong, and I'm not planning to do anything wrong, and I said, I said, you don't stinking care. You have your wife, you have your children, us. Now it's my turn, and you're not her. I didn't know that he knew behind the scenes. I turn around to storm off, at that crossroad to head down the wrong road of playing games with trusting and obeying. And I took those five steps that if going on would have changed my life forever. And Aaron and Hannah and Lydia and Abigail and Rachel and Andrew, my wife Charity, we would not exist as we do tonight. I took that fifth step. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I had the verse that was pounded in my head and I hated it. You know, I'm, I'm like 19 now. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I thought of that verse. Why did I think of that verse? 
Because the word of God will not return void. I didn't stop to try to think about that verse. I was going to my room. I, didn't, I was going to slam the door. I was leaving. You know, I'm, not, I, I'm out. Do what you want to do. And I just stopped like this. I was angry. I was rebellious. I was in a bad attitude. I was everything. You, whatever. I wanted to curse. I wanted to swear. I'd never done that. I was just raging inside. The word of God stopped me. And in that moment, I thought, I got a choice. I mean, it happened so quick. Do I believe by faith this verse or not? And I turned around, no credit of my own, but the word of God, and I walked back, and he was still standing there by the pond. I said, I will obey you. I'll never forget, as long as I live, he went just like this. Thank you. <laughs> I still walked on back to the room. He said, I'm praying for you, son. Walked back to the room, shut the door. I was still angry. I didn't know it. I wasn't, you know, in preacher mode in the room saying, I'm not playing games with faith. But, but tonight, you understand, that's what was happening in the room. I said, I'm just not going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to play games with faith. I've heard preached. I don't understand it all at that point in time that there's an umbrella of protection. Even if dad is wrong, and I thought he was wrong. I believed every fiber inside of me. He was wrong, and I'm still going to marry that girl somehow. But there's some umbrella of protection. And if I get out from underneath it, even if it's right, now it's wrong. And I was so, you know, preaching will mess you up. But because I took a step of faith, then the feelings came. And I broke. And there was sweet reunion. And our lives moved on. Thank God for that. Oh, I've, Dad and I, he jokes about it now. He said, son, can you imagine if you were married? You know, and I... We got married, my wife and I, Charity Epley, and she said she had been praying for twins, and God gave us twins. She had complications at Christmas and had to go on bed rest, and we went many, many days and many, many weeks as a newly married. She couldn't get out of bed, just flat on her back. I was a youth pastor trying to, you know, as fresh and starting, just starting, having just got married not too long before. She said, since I was nine, I wrote in my journal praying for twins, and God, God gave us twins. She's expecting now on bed rest. She said, I prayed that one would be a boy and one would be a girl. And sure enough, one was a boy, one was a girl. Valentine's Day, February 14th, we had to rush her to the hospital. And I couldn't ride in the ambulance because we pulled over on the side of the road. And I just thought she was having more complications. She's only about six and a half months along, which can be viable for a non-twin. And we got to the hospital. I did after she was there, and I finally found my way. It took a while, and I walked into the hospital room, and there was a little baby in this plastic thing, and there was a neonatal intensive care team working on this little baby, and I thought, is that mine? Perfectly formed, but just small, and it was breathing, but they were doing stuff. I don't even know what they were doing, and little masks and little things, and massaging the baby and everything, and I, they said, your wife's right here, and I walked over, and she was just crying and in distress, and the doctor looked up to me and said, your wife's life, in so many words, is in danger. We're going to do a blood transfusion, give her blood and all this stuff, and, and she looked up at me, Charity said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I'm having the babies, and it was too early, and I thought, oh, that's okay, that's all right. I mean, she, we, she had been praying for this, it, you know, it's Valentine's Day now and God's going to use this. She'd been writing a little devotional for ladies. I never know. I don't know what happened to her. She put it away, but maybe one day it'll come back out. And she'd been writing this little devotional for ladies about, you know, this experience. And now we're in the hospital. I said, okay, it's fine. It's all right. Well, I've visited a hospital many times in, in, in the ch children's hospital. They'll just have to be in the hospital for a little while, but that's okay. And she shook her head because the doctor had already told her. And the doctor just looked up and says, your babies are not going to make it. In that moment, I thought, this is a sick joke. You pray, it's in your journal since you're nine? That you're gonna have twins? Boy and girl, and God answers those prayers? You're on bed rest and paying the price, punching the clock, doing the, the testing, trial, all of that, and they're gonna die, and sure enough, the one died, and they made it obvious that the child had died. Standing there, I said, where's the other child? She said, she's just getting ready to deliver, and she delivered the second child, my wife. Just tears streaming down her face. And in that moment, I was again at the crossroad of faith. Just like you are tonight, and just like you will be one day, or you have in the past. And again, it's easy to have faith until you stand in those moments. And our view of God is always through the lens of circumstance. My wife looked up at me, and she grabbed my hand. She said, Joseph, either the Holy Spirit of God just spoke to her and told her to say it, or she saw the look in my eyes. Of, of disillusionment. She said, Joseph, 
God's way is always the best way. I'm glad I married a wife that wasn't playing games with faith. And see, there are young people in the room right here. There's a young lady who's been raped and molested or young man who's heard flesh upon flesh beating and things behind closed doors and it's locked up into a little cold, dark corner. There are circumstances in your life that you don't even know, was it my fault? Did I do it? Did I enjoy it? Did I not? There might be wounds on an arm from a razor blade or there might be a rope hanging somewhere or I know there are many, many, many thoughts of suicide. And I don't know where they are. They could be hiding over here in this section where you're just one teenager sitting there but in the side that corner of your heart or maybe this section representing all the way up or all the way down or in the front or over there or over here. It's locked up into a cold jail cell, clanging shut, sealed tight part of your heart. And that part of your heart has caused you, you wouldn't call it that, but it is, caused you to play games with faith. That all of this that we're doing when we're singing, when Brother Alvin's over here wiping tears and getting excited and all these guys are giving their lives to the Lord, they're punching some kind of ministry clock. You're viewing life through the lens of this baggage or this heartache or this trial and somehow you haven't stepped up. You're not all the way in. I mean, what more does God have to do to prove to you? How much more famous? What else, what else does he have to verify and prove? The first book ever written, the greatest book ever written, the best-selling book that's ever written, the most proved and verifiable book that's, there's no book, no literary work in the world more verifiable than this book. And that's before you believe it spiritually, by faith, as we do. What more does he have to do to prove his love for God, the greatest lover, gave his only begotten son the greatest gift, that whosoever the greatest offer believeth in him the greatest choice, should not perish the greatest hope, but have everlasting life, the greatest eternity. What more does he have to do? Are you playing games with faith? You're just sitting here saying, you know, I'm just doing the Christian life. Or do you believe in your heart of hearts? The Lord is good, stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that put their trust in him. This is what the children of Israel were doing, and this is why they were dancing naked, being an abomination and bringing death upon themselves and upon their families and their children. Secondly, we see not only were they playing games with faith, we see in the scriptures, I want you to notice in verse number five, when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to who? The Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. This is not just something that's happening today. It happened then. This was the pinnacle of it. And then and it patterned throughout history that people don't, and this is why God would always draw a line, choose you this day whom you will serve. Who's on the Lord's side? But no, 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 no. God's people and you and I and the human, we don't want that. We want to play games with God. Step right up, step right up. Okay, God, you come with me. We want a foot over here and a foot over here. We want to sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus. You know, I remember having a friend and we, we would go to this new Coral Ridge Mall, big mall, and we're from out in the country, so going to this big mall, I mean, it was like being in the Silicon Valley to us, you know, and it's preppy and popular and all the stores and cool. And we, on teen sewing, we'd go to the food court when it was first open. It was so awesome. Our bus would pull up. It was a surprise. The teens go crazy. Food court! You know, I mean, we'd never seen a food court before. Seriously, it was our first food court. And food court, we're going to food court. It's like two restaurants in there, you know. You want teriyaki? Okay, but anyways. <laughs> we pull up on the bus. There was always one boy. It was rule was supposed to the girls get off first, you know. There was one bus, one boy, uh, when we'd pull up there at Coral Ridge Mall, New Preppy Mall, all the stores, man, he would bolt. We'd all kind of laugh. The youth pastor had no idea. He'd bolt. He'd get up, man, bus stop. He'd run into the entrance of the mall. He'd be, you know, he's over at Whitey's Ice Cream and we're trying to eat, you know, lunch. He's just as far from the teens as he could. And somebody said, well, why does he always do that? He didn't want to walk in with the girls with culottes on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, now, when he's on the bus, he's the popular kid. and get every, You know, hey, oh yeah, I like you, cute girl. She's wearing culottes, that's fine. But when I'm 
when, when, when I'm over here, I, I need to maintain my, because I got some friends in there. I, but you know what? This is happening all over America. This is what is happening. They were playing games with God, and this is what they're doing. They're stinking naked with a God saying, they brought me out of Egypt, blaspheming the God of Israel, saying, but we're going to make a feast to the Lord Jehovah. This is what we want to do today. Look, just last week, you know, you got all the sodomy going on in America, the pride parades across the country on June 15th, which was Saturday. And just last week on one of the major shows, all over their walls, celebrate pride, all of the rainbow, abomination. And, and here's what they said. They can't just choose abomination. They got to sprinkle their little Jesus in. Listen to what they said last week. Listen, major show. And, you know, my faith always taught me what would Jesus do? Yes. And I know Jesus would be attending that pride parade. With pride. And I also, with pride. And I also know that um, God is love. And Jesus is love. Yeah. And, and love is love. This is America today. I mean, the original sin is Lucifer. It's pride. I will arise. I will be like the Most High. And God kicks him out, prepares hell for he and the third of the angels. Oh, God is love, but you don't understand what love is. Love is he that is without sin, cast the first stone. But then he said, now go and sin no more. He didn't go down to that that sodomite parade and dance down to that adultery parade and dance around with this woman and celebrate that. America is sick. And these people promoting this ought to be locked up. It's child abuse. They ought to be locked up in jail to promote it. To, and our target, in our target, in our, in our Iowa city, a city near ours, they have little onesies in the, in, in, the, in the sodomite section. Let me tell you something. Surgeon's general warning. Cigarettes and vaping. And it is bad. 13 years, it's a medical verifiable fact, 13 years off your life, 13 years. And the doctors have to tell you that, don't smoke 13 years off your life. Let me tell you something, it is a medical verifiable fact in the same verifiable fact that sodomites live 20 less years. Seven years less than smokers. You're guaranteed to get a plethora or a multitude of diseases. It's one of the most nasty. I read medical report after medical report after medical report is the most abominable, hateful, child abusing thing. And all of those peddling that stuff and those women ought to be thrown in jail forever. Let me tell you something. There could be some teenager in there right now and it's been, and I didn't intend to preach about sodomy. Let me tell you something, you, 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 might be, you might be playing around with that and in here and God says, no, 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 choose you. you you're not going to take what I designed and created. If you do, let me tell you something, they, they, they are suicidal, they hate themselves, they're mental. God loves them, we love them. I've counseled a transgender individual in our little town and he's doing well, he, he, he is doing well. Let me, say, let me just say something, let me just say something. Here it is. We want to, you say, we want to, we want to take Jesus, how oh, he'd be at that pride. My God who died on the cross and shed his blood, he would not be at that pride parade, by the way. But wait a minute, wait a minute. We do the same thing. You know, I have a book right here, and the, and the term is blended worship. This book's called Worship Wars. I hope a lot of you young people don't know about it, but you do now. Uh, but, but some of you youth pastors, and maybe it's come across your vision because of this interconnected world of, of media. But this book, all boiled down after study, basically says music has no morality. That's abomination. That's easily proved from the word of God. There's a lot of wrangling and, and, and high talk. And so let me, let me just say this. We heard, oh, Jesus, pride is pride, love is love, and Jesus would be at the pride parade. But cultural Christianity, by the way, this is written by a so-called independent Baptist. And I'm not trying to hurt this individual at all. I'm just saying there are a lot of independent Baptists that you would even know who sit in these seats right here that like and promote this book. Right. Let me show one of them. And uh, let me just show you here the, the kind of person that, 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 oh, you know, blended, meaning, you know, not coming out from among and making a difference. And, and let me just show you where it leads. They don't like to show this, but here's a, a church in our town. 6,000 people in our town. I know everybody here that you're about ready to see in our town. Oh, what we're doing. 
You can just pause it right there. Hold on. They're excited, and I'm excited too. All right, listen. I'm grieved. Listen. Listen very closely. When they do these series, stay with me, teenagers. I know it right now. You say, no, I'm good. I'm in this church. But, but they're, they're nabbing you as soon as you get out. So listen to me closely. They're doing series. You know, you got to have all these series. And series, you know, if you're following verse by verse out of the Bible, I love it. That's fine. But, but, it's, but it's all um, philosophical and, and, and just tickling the ears, teachers having tickle, you know, itching ears, all of that. But here's the deal. Before their series, they'll do like bumper songs or bumper music, and they advertise it. So, for instance, on dating, I'll show you what they played right before the pastor got up. Now, a moment before, they were singing Oceans or, you know, all, all, the, all the CCM songs and, and Christian rap or, rap or heavy metal because it doesn't matter, right? Um, and, and then over here, they sing their theme song. And so, here's a theme song uh, that, that they played. It's called Born to be Wild. This is in church. Go ahead and, go ahead and play just a short Church, look, that's in my town. I know where it's at. I've been there. I know that guy. I've talked to that guy. I'm not trying to hurt him or anybody else, but this needs to be said. Because they would say it on the opposite, trying to pull you out. Let me tell you something. That this is where it leads. So, for instance, on dating, on dating, they're going to sing the song, I like it, I love it, I want some more. He's going to preach on dating. It's a series. So they're advertising. I saw it on Facebook, and it had the, I can't remember the country singer who sings that song. I like it, I love it, I can't rise above it, I try so hard. Every, I mean, there's hundreds of verses that are being, uh, I mean, it's blasphemy. Go ahead and play that clip right before teaching on dating. Long lost money, Sam. Prostitution song. I mean, abomination. Go ahead, just a quick clip. Here's Father's Day. This is happening. Clean shirt, new shoes, and I don't know where I am going since I've had. Come out of worry, cause my wallet's there. Black shades, white gloves. I'm pastor doesn't like that here but when we're coming to the word of God there are things in the Bible that God has to spell out very plainly and show you that ain't pretty to read or see you understand tonight and if you don't like it that's fine don't blame him or them blame me all right that you don't like that I showed a little clip of that and I understand that I'm showing radical clips but look this crowd right here and these guys that are pulling out and the lights and all of the stepping down and casualness of church, they will hide behind and say, oh no, we're more gospel sinners, it's not a big deal. But just, just listen what's on their kids' playlist, what's on their playlist in the car. There's no line you, you, you cross over. Is everybody okay tonight? I'm not trying to be mean. I love you. I love them. God knows it. God knows it. But here's what's happening. We want to play games with God. We want to, we want to blend in and just kind of, kind of get together. But wait a minute. You say, well, that's not me. I'm in a good church. But we do the same exact thing. You're sitting here and you're hearing this kind of preaching. you got a Bible on your lap, but you have a whole other world on that cell phone of yours. And a whole other world on Facebook and all those friends. And you live a different kind of life. And God says, no, it doesn't work that way. I am a jealous God. I love you. I'm like that, the picture of that prodigal son. I'm on my front porch. I'll kill the fatted calf. I got mercy. I've got grace. I've got forgiveness. But I'm not coming down to the pig pen. You can work it up and have all the emotion in the world that you want to. But I think God right here and now is grieved and sick and tired of, of, of people trying to pull. I'm talking independent Baptist guys. Look, I know this for a fact. Who we were supporting as missionaries. And when they came to town, they went to that church on the day that that song was playing. That's how I know about that song, because I decided to go ahead and go and go over there and watch their live stream. And it was that day, my wallet's fat, when I step out, I'm gonna do you, that was Father's Day. Like, Come on, fathers, we're gonna sing this fun song as a bumper video, bumper song up to, to and this independent Baptist missionary 
who gets online and criticizes, you know, these quote-unquote fundies. You, you take your pick. But I want to glorify Jesus. Now, I'm a nobody. And I would be lock, stock, and barrel sold into that music. Maybe not that. That was dumb. But, but you know what I'm saying, the world's music. But I don't want to play games with God. He's a jealous God. I, I don't, let me tell you something you may not understand, but as you grow older and you choose colleges and friends and groups, just be very careful because there's a lot of smooth and subtle talking going on. And it isn't about sides. You know, well, you believe this and you see it different and you do this. No, no, it's about glorifying the Lord. And by the way, it all, and I'm ahead of myself, even though I, I need to hurry up. It all comes down to this book right here. It's all changed. Let me tell you, these guys, they don't, they, they don't believe in a perfect Bible, but I'm, I've got to hurry. I'm way behind. I'm a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I'm faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I'm there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I don't need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I'm a soldier. No one has to call me, text me, friend me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in my place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I don't need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I'm committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs. I am not a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I'm a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from his battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him for eternity. I am a soldier in the army and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? But wait a minute, I, I will do some of those things if I play games, if I'm not serious, if I dabble, if I'm just, you know, I, I, there was a time in, in my life, I, I didn't want to go left, I didn't want to sell out what God is doing in my heart, listen to me young people, but I just thought, do you have to make an issue about it? There came a point in my life, said you do, because as you study this Bible, he says, come on over here, who's on the Lord's side? Who's a, Jesus made an issue. Moses made an issue. The great leaders made an issue. I don't mean fighting. I mean standing in love and saying, young people, God loves you. I hasten and I'm quick. Listen closely. Not only were they playing games with faith, they were playing games with God. I want you to see in verse 21, quickly, quickly. 21. And I'm going to have you read it out loud because I want to make sure everybody's listening. Remember our investment agreement. You invest in us now. And Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a what upon them? Verse 21 of Exodus 32. What upon them? Say it out loud. Sin. Say it together. What? Sin. Sin. And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Calm down. You're preaching a little too hard. It's okay. You know, you're all right. You guys, you just, you know, you're just a little amped up. He said, thou knowest that the people that they are set on, what did he say? Sin or mischief? Mischief. You know, my mother, uh, my, my dad's mom, my mama Brown, was a member at Gospelite Baptist Church for many, many years, 50 years. And she grew up in West Virginia, Kennard, West Virginia, in a coal miner's family, extremely poor. She said, true story, one time a year, I thought this was amazing when God revealed this story that I've told before and the theme here. She said, uh, once a year, we got to go down to this carnival that would come to a town about 30 miles from us, and our parents would come and drop us off, and they'd go do business and buy a hog or sell something, try to get a little money, and we had one nickel. That's all we had all year long. Listen closely. One nickel. We'd, we'd dream about that nickel. That went a long way back in the early 1900s, and what are we going to do with this nickel? 
and her and her friends would go and they'd walk down that midway and here's how she told it. They'd be, hold on, step right up, step right up, come on, right over here and all the different shows. And it wasn't a big fancy thing, but it was, you know, I mean, they had, you know, 10, 12 booths and different things you could do and a few little rides and some goodies and, and hot dogs and stuff. And am I going to spend it on a hot dog or maybe some fresh lemonade? Or she's walking along and her friends went on ahead and she's looking at her nickels, so precious. It's all she had. And she heard somebody say, Queenie Queen, the mother of a thousand babies. Queenie Queen, the mother of a thousand babies. And she thought, the mother of a thousand babies. Now, Mama Brown, there was nothing she loved more than little babies. She thought, there it is. And there was a, 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 a wooden plank about like this, but it was angled up. And it went inside a tent, like a circus tent, a smaller tent. And so she came up and the guy said, up, oh, up, oh, one nickel. And she thought, ooh, that's everything. He said, one nickel, one nickel, Queenie Queen, the mother of a thousand babies. She gave her nickel to the man and walked in the tent. It was a little darker there, and there was some lights over what would be like a, an above-ground swimming pool, and the wood was around the swimming pool like this with a rail, and there was 15, 20 people standing around that looking down, and she thought, well, I, well, I got to see this Queenie Queen, the mother of a thousand babies, and she worked her little self in as a little girl, and she looked over and went, ah! It was nothing she hated more than snakes. There was a huge mama snake and a thousand little babies crawling all over that snake. She lost it. She, ah! she ran out into the sunlight. She told my dad this story. She said, after the fear and all oh, the nastiness was over, I looked down and realized that I spent my only nickel on that which I hated the most. When Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, it wasn't just in any animal pen. It was a Jew boy. It was an abomination. And, and many of you tonight are playing games with sin and you're spending your nickel. You think it's fun because the devil has gotten so good at alluring. You know how they hunt wolves in Alaska. True story. They, they put a blade above a stack of meat underneath the ice, and then they just wait. It's so easy to get them. Even though it's hard to hunt them, they get them this way. And they go back to their igloos, and they wait till morning, and they'll go up and harvest all these wolves, smart wolves. Here's what the wolves do. They go and lick the ice and lick the ice and lick the ice and lick the ice. And by the time that they're about ready to re reach into that red, bloody meat, they have now licked right through because their tongue was numb, that, that, that razor blade, that, that big sickle. And in their adrenaline, <laughs> they got to get to the meat. They bleed out and die. And we think we're okay, but we're getting numb and numb and numb. Let me tell you something. There are people in this room right here, and you're playing games with sin. You know, the, the true elephant in the room, Brother David, is, is uh, the, the pictures, whether sent, God forbid, between one another or pornography right here. And you're playing games. You, you don't think that it's messing with your mind, but it is. And you're playing games with it. And look, look, there's mercy and grace and youth pastors would love to help you and parents, but it's so embarrassing and you don't know what to do. And you're playing games with you. Come on, preacher. Young ladies, you're, you're playing games. If you could take off the head of a young man. I, I'm, talking to you, I'm not talking about sick and pervos. I'm talking about people with character and trying to look right and do what's right. But if you could take the, 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 the school off and jump into their mind for five minutes, you would not dress the way that you dress. Now, you men may not be men enough to shake your head up and down and say, man, I'm not trying to make you out as weird. They're charactered men and right men, and, and, and men ought to be men whether women are not clothing themselves. I'm not blaming that. I'm blaming the individual. That, that, but let me tell you something. When nakedness is exposed above the knee or in on the body trunk, let me tell you something. It's playing games with the sexuality of the opposite gender. I don't care if you don't like it or not. And when you stand in that mirror and you don't think that it's a big deal and you, you make sure that it's just, just enough tight, just enough to make you look real pretty because you see the glances, you're playing games. You say, come on, I'm not playing games. Sir, you're playing games because you're inundating your mind with things that will turn you into something you don't want to be. One week ago tonight, I was preaching on a Tuesday night. One week ago tonight, one week from right now, about this time right now. And I got done preaching and an 11-year-old girl walked up to me, and she was crying. I began to look for my wife, and she got over there in a moment, and she said, my mom and dad. And I thought, oh, man, she's broken. I had just been preaching on forgiveness and different things and trusting God and having faith in God. And she said, my mom and dad. And I thought, let me get charity. And she just was bawling and just out of control. She said they were independent Baptist missionaries. My wife had come up uh, after a little while. My wife knew them and didn't know the story. My wife called this lady's name her mom's name. 
I said, oh yeah, independent Baptist missionaries and serving and name the mission field. And, and she said, my dad, and I thought, oh no, I don't want to tell this, you know, I'm a mandatory reporter, all this, you know, I'm going I'm to, okay, here goes, you know, well, let's go get your pastor. And I don't know what you're about ready to tell, but my dad, and I thought, oh, okay. And she's just bawling and crying. She said, my dad murdered my mom. Seriously? I didn't know if I could b believe it, but the pastor there, that you would know, he, all, everything verifiable. My dad murdered my mom. Not much older than I am. They were in their 30s. He was 37. He's in prison for 80 years. He murdered her on Valentine's Day as a gift to his 20-year-old lover that he reached on the mission field. Now we, oh, but some of you are playing games tonight. You're playing games with the video games and with the music of this world, and you, you don't realize what it's doing to you. It's time that somebody says, look, i got to choose tonight. I know it's going to be a struggle and there's temptation there and there's a pull and it always will be and it'll always be a fight. But it's time that somebody says, I'm going to stop playing games with sin and I'm going to get right and I'm going to do right and I'm going to ask God to forgive me. You're playing games with rebellion. Dishonoring your mom and dad and sitting with a little chip on your shoulder. You're playing games with God sitting there. You got rebellion or gossip or hatred or bullying and, and, and bad attitude in your heart. Let me tell you something, you're playing games. Just like America's playing games with their sodomy. Playing games with their sin. I have other points, but the time is, has, has moved on from me, so I'll go to my last. I was gonna talk about playing games with friends. You are right now or soon shall be who your friends are. If you notice what Moses, excuse me, what Aaron was doing, he knew better, but there was, a, there was an influential pull and there's some of you, you can't, you, there's a governor, now I'm preaching this point, I gotta back up and not preach it, but there's a governor on you, you can't come to the altar and get right. You're listening, I know you're listening tonight because, because the Holy Spirit of God is moving. Let me tell you something, but you can't because you like some girl or you like some guy or there's some friend group and if you were to step right up tonight, maybe I'll just wait till last night and come and kind of go do a little token thing. No, the preaching's already been preached. The Spirit's already been here. But you're playing games with friends. How did that turn out for Amnon and Tamar? But let's go to the last. What was Moses doing as he came down the mountain? And he had something in his hand. We, we see it in the scriptures down here in verse number, um, verse number 16. The tables were the what of God? The work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. It was the work of God, the very word of God. And he came down and they were broken. And it is a picture of what you and I are doing with the greatest gift. If you get anything from this message tonight, get this. The Bible is not a biblical word. Where is it in the Bible? Now, I call it a Bible. I thank God for my holy Bible. But there's all kinds of Bibles. I mean, there's coin Bibles and birding Bibles and all kinds of Bibles. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's Mormon Bibles. Do you believe that? There's Catholic Bibles. There's Luciferian Bibles. You know, in the Satanic Church. There's Bibles, all kinds of Bibles. There's, of course, versions of Bibles. There's, there's medical Bibles. You, I, could, I could list off a name and show you a bunch of different Bibles. Bible's not a biblical word. What makes the Bible the Bible? The truth, thy word is truth. Well, what is it? It's the what of what? Word of God. The Bible says that God is truth. He's all truth. All scripture. Jesus came to earth in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You're looking at Jesus. The Bible says, I will exalt thy word above all thy name. By the way, I'm rabbit trailing again. God, have mercy on me. But you go to these concerts, you couldn't find a Bible in 10 miles. We want to worship Jesus' name, and I think we ought to exalt Jesus' name. But you know what I hold above the name of Jesus? The word of God. I will exalt my, thy word above all thy name. Now, wait a minute. Here's where I'm going with this. What makes it the Bible, the Bible, the word of God, is that it's the word of God. If I stood in for this hour or however long, 45 minutes of preaching, if I gave you five minutes of lies and deception and, and snuck it in there, am I telling you the truth tonight or being deceptive? Even if I'm making mistakes tonight and they're not correct, they're, they're, they're misleading, even if they're mistakes, I'm still lying to you whether I mean it or not. Are you with me? So if it's the Bible, it has to be true without error. And I'm surprised, Pastor Swanson, that people trust Jesus as their personal Savior, and then they get baptized. And the next most important thing I believe a Christian could do is then accept the Bible. 
as the Word of God. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Do you? Everybody wake up, listen up. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. But things that are different are not the same. And you say, well, the Catholic Bible is not much different than this or the Mormon Bible. Do you believe the Mormon Bible has some, some false doctrine in there? Yeah. But you know what? Satan's very smart. For instance, I've got a Bible right here. You know, it looks good. So, you know, people have it in churches. They're even bringing these into, into so-called independent Baptist churches now. That's what, where it all goes to. And, and so I read, look, look at this on the screen. I read about Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there's a lot of prophecy here. And they try to sneak all this stuff in, but I just want to show you something. Ephraim comes to me about with lies, and I could do this hundreds of times throughout the scripture. The house of Israel without deceit, but Judah yet ruleth with God and is faithful with the saints. And I won't go into the backstory of all of this, but Judah was faithful even though he wasn't in the beginning. And Jesus is of the line of tribe of Judah. Satan wants to be Jesus. He wants to be like the Most High. He wants to take that place of Jesus. He wants to be day star and all of that. But wait a minute, we open up this Bible. It looks good. A lot of people may use it in some Bible college you go to or some church you go to. And we read the same verse. Read it. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, Israel with deceit, and Judah is unruly against God, even against the faithful one. Wait a minute. Show them back to back. Look at this here. Judah yet ruleth with God and is faithful. Judah is unruly against God. So that's against Christ, right? That's called antichrist. Are you with me? It's not a better reading. That's a lie. Is everybody okay tonight? And yet we're playing games with it. Here, here's one that, that, that a lot of people love. Oh, the ESV. Here's a prophecy of, of Jesus Christ. When they were there in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they looked in, the form of the fourth was as the Son of God or like the Son of God. Look at it. Like the Son of God. That's a prophecy. As Jesus came after resurrection, Brother Cooper, he showed them throughout the prophets and all of that in the Old Testament that Jesus was God. But look what the ESV does. He's like, what? Are you seeing that? Is everybody awake? You're seeing it. Look, look hard. Go back one. The, the Bible for the English-speaking people says, the fourth is like the Son of God. Well, you're racist to believe that there's an English-speaking people. Well, you're racist to believe that there's one for the people in Greece. I know some of this you may not absorb it all, but here's what I'm trying to say is, we could go on and on. They gut verses out. I won't show you the last one, but go ahead and, go ahead and look at the last one. Read verse number 37 here. Philip said, if thou believest within thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Go, look at the ESV. And they all do this. Read verse 37. They take it out. Can you believe they do that? They take it out. Well, you know, let's sit down and talk about. Look, if God can, if you can believe in the preservation of the saints, that when you get to God, you, before God, you're going to be spotless and holy. Listen to me tonight. But I can't believe, well, the translators could have made a mistake. Don't you somehow miraculously believe that God could have given us a Bible that is perfect and true and holy? But here's what I'm going to say in closing. I'm done. Here's what I'm going to say. You, you hear all of that, and maybe some of that goes over your head. But I'm going to tell you something. You will not make it if you're just playing games. We, we believe this Bible. We stand on this Bible. We love this Bible. We worship this Bible. We thank God for his word. Listen to me. But you never read it. You never study it. You never memorize it. There are people around the world that gave their life for this book. And I'm asking one teenager, I'm asking one teenager to step right up and say, God, tonight I'm not going to play games. Amen. I've asked Pastor Treber if I could show this video. They've told me, preach as long as you want to. That's why I've preached long tonight. I'm going to end with the video. I'm done. I'm not preaching after it. I want you to watch this video. Don't fall asleep. Just look at it. It'll be over before you know it. It's a video clip. And I want you to see people giving their life for this book and ask yourself, are you playing games with this book and with God? A new report names Christians as the most persecuted religious group on the planet. More than 125,000 Christians, men, women, and children, have been forced from their homes over the past year. And since then, day by day, it's getting worse and worse. So you're, you're startling me with the severity of what you're describing. The Islamic State has flooded social media with videos of their sadistic attacks. Hundreds of thousands of Christians have been forced to flee their home countries facing civil war and Islamic terror. In addition to last week's church bombing in Pakistan, Christians have also been targeted recently in Egypt and at last week's mall attack in Kenya. Christians face torture, 
death, imprisonment, or harassment in more than half of the world's nations. In 2012, militant Buddhists, similar to the groups in Sri Lanka, began attacking their communities, resulting in hundreds of them being murdered. More than 140,000 of them have been forced from their homes and stuck in refugee camps, where many of them have to live in such horrible shelters as shipping containers. One Christian resident over there who took his family and fled told the Associated Press, we had to go through an area where they had set up a checkpoint. We just heard that. Islamic State group uh, militants asked us to get out of the car. We got out. They took our things, our bags, our money, everything we had on us. I don't know what's going to happen to us. Our future is uncertain. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful world. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful world. The sun and the blue, blue sky. To all enemies of the cross, we love you, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. We will give our lives for the truth, and we will smuggle in God's word, even if it means to endure ridicule and mocking, beatings, torture, and imprisonment. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We will not back down, and we will never stop. We have radical faith. We have the truth. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.